0: The Obelisk. Tonight's guest is Joshua Kutchen. Joshua is a North Carolina native with a long-standing interest in Fortiana. He holds a Master's in Music Literature and a Master's in Journalism from the University of Georgia and currently resides in Georgia, right near me, which is awesome. He's the author of four books? Four books now, I think. Um, 2015's A Trojan Feast. The Food and Drink Offerings of Aliens, Fairies, and Sasquatch. 2016's The Brimstone Deceit. An in-depth examination of supernatural scents, otherworldly odors, and monstrous miasmas. Now, I think it was 2017 was Thieves in the Night, or was it 2018, Thieves in the Night? Bastards. And that's all about uh, fairy abductions and similarities to UFO stuff Josh is also a contributor to Robbie Graham's 2017 collection of ufological essays UFOs reframing the debate which is a great book everyone should read that and his latest book co-authored with Timothy Renner of strange familiars is called where the footprints End: high strangeness and the Bigfoot phenomenon volume one it's now available on Amazon Josh it's great to have you here Wait, 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 wait! Hold on.
1: I got to partner with Tim on where the footprints end, is because I have a giant uh, hole in my um, in my sort of credentials, which is that I, I don't do a lot of field work. You know, I can count on one hand the number of times I've been in the field uh, looking for stuff and doing stuff. So uh you know then that's sort of tim's bag really i mean that's a lot of what he does um so he brings a different perspective and some personal accounts and some 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 instances where he's speaking to witnesses and stuff that i just i just really have a sort of of a deficit so you know i contacted jerry uh like back in march and i was like let's let's get together you know we had a place we're gonna go i don't necessarily even know if we should say where we're gonna go because i don't want people you know crash the party but i was like we're gonna go here and it's gonna be great and uh and you know the next day it was like oh maybe we shouldn't and you know with with what you've been through jerry i didn't really want to you know i don't think it's a great time for you to be out right now um and with me i mean like you know i have i have uh, respiratory issues myself so it's just like let's just let's just table this for a little while <laughs> so yeah that's before the lockdown happened
0: yeah it was, Mar- it was
1: right yeah. as it happened march 19th <laughs>
0: or 17th we we're gonna go
2: when we were still being like watching seeing what was gonna happen before all this unfolded into fuckery.
0: <laughs> it was fuckery from the start.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but it's wise to step back and, you know, in the beginning. That was my whole thing. Like let's just see what it is and not be fools. Yeah. But yeah, and shout out to Renner. We love him here too. Yep. It's such a great so fantastic.
1: Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um and uh <laughs> you know, um, I, uh, for for me, like this whole, this whole thing has been like a giant version of, uh, Pascal's wager, you know, <laughs> um, the idea that, you know, <laughs> for unfamiliar, for anybody who's unfamiliar, it, it was a sort of basic Christian apologetics that was less risky to believe in God and there not be a God than to not believe in God and there be a God when you died. <laughs> because, you know, if, if you didn't believe in there is a God, then you've got, you know, a, you know uh, you're in of Damnation, yeah. And if you, you, you do believe in God and you don't believe in a God, then you're just, you know, there's nothingness. Um, so that's kind of the way that I'm looking at this, um, uh, you know, tr- trying to wrap my head around it. But uh, yeah, Tim's, Tim's really great. Uh, we've been mistaken for a couple. I don't know if you remember that, Jerry. Oh, my God. That's
0: hilarious. Where was that?
1: Uh, that, was at, that was at Strange Realities.
0: Someone um, thought, you, I didn't know anyone thought you were a couple.
1: Well, so there was, so I made this joke that behind, like, every, behind every, uh, good Josh, there's a great Tim. Like, just, just joking, like, <laughs> just joking about our bromance. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, I made some other, some other comment about us being a Bigfoot power couple, and, um, uh, I went to pick up a book from Brent Rains, you know, the guy who did mm-hmm. the The Q book. And... He you know sold it to me and he's like you know we exchanged some kind words and then Tim goes to buy a copy of of the Keel book from Brent Rains and Brent's wife goes oh well your partner just bought one
0: oh
1: my (laughs) god that's hilarious sort of like an assumption that we were a couple
0: (laughs) yeah nobody told me that. But that's funny.
2: Oh, that is that is funny. It's cute. Tim and I I are both married. Not
1: married to each other. (laughs) We're both married to our wives, respectively. But we both both have twins too.
2: Right. And not and not that it matters, but it is funny and it's cute. Oh, that's right. You both have twins? Yes,
1: yeah.
0: Are they Gemini? Are they Geminis?
1: Um they're mine are Aquarians, right? So uh January uh early Feb yeah yeah yeah
2: Feb's Aquarian in the beginning yeah that's an interesting synchro with Tim
1: it is um and it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that I've been going through over the past year I mean I'll be honest it's it's easily the hardest thing I've ever done is raising two kids at this age because you know uh you know the moment you get one out of something the other one's into something and like you know you, you see all these parents who are you know bitching and moaning about like, Oh, I have had a, I have a baby and it's the most exhausting thing I've ever done. it's like, yeah, just multiply it. Like have your base level of commitment be that times two, (laughs) you know, you uh, know
2: what, Josh, I have a question on that. So looking at our new normal, what, how is this impacting the parenting experience for you and your wife and moving forward into things that we, are being confronted with that are not going to change.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something that definitely keeps me up at night. Like I, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who thinks about, um, you know, the fact that like this. this I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and be like, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. I have to teach them that that colloquialism, or like, you know, I have to teach them, you know, how to parse the nuance of what authorities say, and I have to teach them that, you know. You kind of have to assume that this is always right unless these criteria make you think that it's wrong. So like that's sort of like these sort of nuances that I've, you know, accrued over the years of just existing or what keep me up at night because I'm like, I'm responsible to get, make these into functioning humans, you know? Um, I, I will say that I'm extremely glad of, of a couple of things. I am extremely glad that they're not going to be going uh, to school for, you know, three more years um, because you know, that gives us a little bit more time to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, I'll also say that, um, you know, if something like this does happen again, um, being two of them at once is reassuring that, you know, they'll get some social interaction uh, that they wouldn't normally. In fact, I'd probably be worried about that if I just had one of them and I wasn't able to have them hang out with other babies right now, you know, play dates and such. So they're socializing each other, which is really good. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, I'm making it a point to go on walks because, A, you know, the research shows that vitamin D is is, is good for whatever this virus is. Um, and, uh, you know, B, it's good exercise. And C, it's nice for them to actually see the world. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I wish that I could do with them. I wish I could take them. You know, we just, we just figured out um, that the library just down the road has a children's story time. And that would be a great thing for me to do. Uh, great thing for us to do with them but you know hell no not gonna happen now i don't know what it's gonna happen um you look at some of those pictures of some of the disgusting um measures that are being encouraged in schools of you know sheets of plastic between everybody and uh you know desks six feet apart and zero interaction between kids and it's 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 it is that's that to me is actually the most dystopian thing i mean those of us who remember the old world can kind of grin and bear it and hope for the best in the future moving forward but you know uh
2: i saw photos today of kids playing in a recess area in their own little squares
1: yeah yeah like 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 farm like you know uh factory farmed cattle or something it's just unbelievable it's a it's a travesty um So I'm, you know, I'm obviously concerned about that, but again, I'm, I'm glad they, you know, we have some time for us to, us, us to figure this out. Um, I can't imagine having a kid who's just starting school next year or, you know, also, you know, or not
0: starting school next year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm anxious about it. Like I said, I'm glad that we have some time, but I'm anxious about it. I also can't imagine having a kid who is, uh, you know, who is supposed to graduate this year. Um, or you know, having forked out however much it is for college and only getting like you know half a year, um, which is which is which is something that like nobody's really considering. I think is is the impact that uh, you know universities. And I worked in a university for uh, for three years, and, and you know, in, in addition to having those two graduate degrees. So I believe me, I know how the sausage is made. I have a lot of unkind things to say about universities, but um, I don't think people realize how much higher education employs people and not just like academics but also you know I'm talking about like the motor pool i'm talking about like blue collar people too that are employed by universities and we're going to see a lot of these things sold uh, for two different reasons um you know there's some pretty big scandals that are trickling down uh about uh, some academics working in hand in glove with uh the ccp yeah the harvard guys that. and Yep, and yeah, and the MIT guys, and, yep. you know, providing samples, uh, but also, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was SoCal has decided to just have online courses next year, uh, at the, at the university level, and like that's, that's a huge economic hit, you know, in addition to all this other stuff that people think about, you know, I, I've, that's that's the thing that that gets me is I think of these things or I hear these things and I don't see, I don't think anybody else has really grasped the the scale of some of this economic impact i mean like i have musician friends who think who have been thinking that it's going to be two weeks for the past two months but um but some of them are like yeah i can't wait to get back out there but i heard a I heard a somebody that joe rogan talked to a owner of his favorite steakhouse who said you know we'd really like to have live music when this starts but i don't think people are going to be able to hear the servers through their masks over the live music and it's like oh wow you know in addition to the fact that the places that bands play are usually shoulder to shoulder sweaty you know uh, says pits anyway <laughs> I say that as a musician um, <laughs> you know that that's another factor like even if you're playing a jazz brunch that works probably on too um, and the idea that's something that a lot of us got into for the in-person communal spontaneous uh, neural network experience that happens when you play live music the fact that that's now relegated to the fucking acapella app or something is just sickening honestly if i didn't have you know my books obviously the boys are keeping me busy but like in terms of a, a passion project if i didn't have my writing to keep me occupied right now and you know, the bigfoot book and uh, this other project that i'm working on which we can talk about later um you know i don't know what i would be doing right now i'd be stir crazy because the motivation to to i mean like there's a motivation to stay in shape with your you know with your music but there's not a motivation really to be creative and there's not a motivation to least to like really practice diligently it's all about just like trying to trying to maintain so whenever we come out of this in whatever form or fashion it looks like i'm not you know shitting the bed constantly I, play.
0: <laughs> I did a lot of that in the hospital shitting the bed
2: oh lord <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> Yeah, it. you know what they're saying there's all this stuff and i I am not pulling up to this being any kind of uh, new normal, and I saw. I just want to say hello to people in chat because I'm actually watching, looking at it tonight. As no never
0: way! Done.
2: I have it up, and my computer's running. <laughs> it's like a small mirror. The world's changed. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm not pulling up to the new normal. This being our new normal, and I'm glad. I'm happy to see that people are looking at this reasonably however are you noticing josh that there's this new wave coming on where they keep pushing it out further mm-hmm. my state pushed it out another month and then they have a four-part plan and now they're saying uh, oh it's you know september everyone brace september's coming and now china's got a new wave of it uh, allegedly and, well all of it's allegedly so there's this sense of how do we navigate this dystopian nightmare we're kind of in right now
1: well you know a lot of people have never even fucking read or remember 1984 throw on words like orwellian but this really is kind of definitionally orwellian in the sense that it's constantly reinventing itself you know uh, that was one of the major things of of you know Oceania and Newspeak was like. Yeah,
0: well, look at, I was going to say Newspeak, look at all the new terms that we got to do with social distancing. What the fuck is that? Yeah,
1: which is actually just stay the fuck away. Yeah.
2: Uh, Right. I mean, some of us always socially distanced. I always did. But at the same time, I like getting into the listening to live music and getting in the mix. And I like, I miss going out to restaurants with my girlfriends and, you know, being in it. The fact that we have to do stuff like that and then, Mm And then that they're saying this is going to be what we do moving forward. And today I saw like uh, spray down sanitary tunnels you walk through to go to grocery stores. And I mean, what Uh, what the hell? Well,
1: even even like the I mean, this is this sounds really petty, but it kind of bugs me. I mean, like even the goddamn aesthetic is disgusting. I mean, you know. Imagine, Isn't it imagine, terrible? imagine imagine movies in like three or four years where every character is wearing a fucking mask and if they're not wearing a mask it doesn't look real i mean it's like if they're not gonna if they're not wearing a mask it's like doing a movie after 9 11 where people walk up to the gate of the airplane like you're just be calling bullshit it's gonna take you right out of it so it's you know and 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 it's 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 made a country that was tending towards antisocial even more antisocial. you know the thing that i've been saying since the beginning is that uh you know, policing your neighbor after 9-11 only worked on brown people, right? That was, that was the way that they weaponized it. It was like, this is great, we're going to get people to, oh, they're only, they're only policing on minorities. How can we fix this? So that they police everybody. Oh, I know. So now everybody's, you know, target, not saying that that was good back then. I'm just saying that like, it was, it was only, a, they didn't, I don't think they achieved their goal of having everybody suspicious of everybody all the time. That was only people becoming more suspicious of minorities. And now everybody's at each other's throats.
0: And it's government funded. Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone brought up an interesting question in chat. Uh, do you think how, uh, how fairies could be implicated in the virus and the nonsense going on, if at all?
1: I mean, I. So I.
0: Let me put I it. Have, let me put it another way. Is there a supernatural angle here? Is there an esoteric side to it?
1: I mean, I think, I, think in, I think that there's a strong argument to be made. Um, again, if, if, if you take out the idea that we're not being presented exactly what we see, I think there's a strong argument be, to be made for like this being a Gaian sort of thing. You know, a Gaia, you know, uh, Gaia clearing her throat a little bit, being like, oh, no, <laughs> "Stop, stop fucking up up there."
0: Shaking uh, us off um, like a bad case of fleas, perhaps.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, um, as as far as specifically the fairy angle, I'm sure that there's some fairy that I'm not remembering that spreads pestilence. Um, I don't see so much of that as I do like this sort of like animistic earth as a living organism thing with the wildfires and you know just the, the the constant piling on of everything that we've had and the way that you know not to sound too hippy-dippy about it but like the way that the earth has kind of bounced back in some really cool ways of course those cool ways are going to be further justification for us doing this on and off for the next you know 20 years or whatever but um but that just taken on face value is is you know really kind of kind of the cool thing um i do think that there is strong evidence if anybody's not familiar um of the uh the work of martin armstrong from armstrong economics Uh, he's somebody that gordon white's been talking about for a while and then uh, uh mysterious universe covered some of his work but uh he's been mapping economic crises to solar cycles and it's an extremely predictive cycle that whenever we enter uh you know a solar minimum you have drops in temperature famines uh social uprest civilizations collapse plagues um I tend to think that there's possibly a supernatural slash metaphysical component to that. Um, But even if there's not, uh, you know, it's obvious how obvious how a change in sun activity could lead to cooler weather could lead to, to uh, uh, food shortages and could lead to 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 viruses and plagues through you know different amounts and different kinds of radiation getting to Earth and mutating different strains. Even though I don't think that's what the virus is, <laughs> um, you know, as as I told some of my friends, like if I go to Tijuana and I come back with syphilis, you have a good idea what I've been up to. But a lab studying coronavirus is the origination point for a coronavirus, and everybody's like, oh no, it's racist to say that it came out of Wuhan. It's just you know came out oh, of the lab Yeah, just, yeah
0: fuck off, um <laughs> yeah well, it but, looks uh, it definitely came out of Wuhan. I don't know if it came out of the lab well, or I, or the market. if you followed like George Webb, his mm-hmm. line of thinking on this is that it was released at the Wuhan games, which kind of co- that at all, yeah, kind of coincided, which if you think about it would be awesome point to it, you've got uh, a single place on the planet where. I forget how many countries participated in that. Say 60 countries participated in those games. Get those people infected. They leave and go back to their countries. Boom. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, there's also, I, I kind of lean towards the lab hypothesis because like it's, matter of public record that the head of that lab was like known as like the bat lady like she specialized yeah. in bat based coronaviruses mm-hmm. there's actually a really good documentary um put out by the epic times i'm sure that some people will find an issue with it the epic times makes no bones about being a right leaning organization and definitely being anti ccp uh oh. because uh um, full gong right yeah yeah full on gong practitioners mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. sort of what's funding it but like some of the stuff that, that they that they say in the documentary you can look up and it's it's on the level um but uh you know what i find interesting too from like sort of a a more cosmic/paranormal slash paranormal standpoint is is the fact that um i'm not an expert in astronomy but astrology rather um but the star weather the yes. the, the, planet, the planetary weather really nailed this
2: yes <laughs> it did
1: i was listening to some of some of the stuff that Austin Coppock was talking about before all this and he was comparing like he had sort of the the us lockdown I realize that the U S is not like the center of the world, but like he had the U S lockdown kind of pinpointed within like a one week period of, he's like, something really bad is going to happen here. And he's like, it was, he's like, when I looked at this period and was extending out from that, it really looked like gazing into the eye of Sauron. And he compared it to, you know, just before the start of, of world war one, which of course lines up perfectly with the Spanish flu epidemic as well. So the, uh, I mean, I know that, I know that astrology is, is, um, is, uh, you know hindsight is 2020 on that, but uh it really seemed to have nailed it this time. I don't put a lot of stock in, in day-to-day horoscopes that you read in the newspaper, but the big stuff, the uh the uh the uh, the planetary the uh the, the the planetary alignments generally nail it every time
2: this stuff some of us were looking some of us look ahead a couple years in astrology and I certainly didn't and this befell us the week I've been to- I've been talking about this for two years. And I want to also give a shout out to Johnny Petrie, who I know was at least talking about this a year ago, happening exactly bang point when it happened. And then I had made a video called The Tilting of Makizedeck in November that was out ready to be out in October. And I nailed this stuff a hundred that video nails all of everything we're going through a hundred percent. And then it rolled out astronomy and astrological signatures were there and and that said there's more to come and a lot of us that look at and do predictive uh astrological work and i find it the vedic stuff is a little bit more uh accurate uh is is it's uncanny you can almost set your clock by it truly and so That's what had me nervous in a way of, is it really this bad? When you look at, when you go back and you start looking at when these alignments happen, what happened last time that alignment happened and the time before. And you start seeing these patterns that happen and unfold. And that's what has me a little bit alarmed as we move further into this year. And now we're getting ready to go into another three eclipses you know mm-hmm. and some hard stuff <laughs> but I, I wanted to josh i i was curious i think it's totally a bioweapon 100 no no issue there i uh, and i i am using that provocative language
1: well you know on the one hand you might be inclined to say it's kind of a shitty bioweapon because it doesn't have a great mortality rate but on the other hand it's kind of a great bioweapon because it's Everything about it is unknown. It's such a wild card. And, you know, if, if you want something that kind of preserves a lot of the infrastructure in terms of people, but also rims a society apart, I mean, good Lord. I mean, I- well,
2: it's. I think. See, what I thought was, it's. It's going after genetic factors. So we saw initially it was going after pox, people of color, very mm. specific people, and it more. It's going to uh, mutate and morph, and it, it's a. This is about a genetic harvesting of people, and I think that it's going to unfold in layers, and then of course, let no crisis go unused. Everything's you know being piggybacked along with it so there's there's a lot of nuance happening and also i'd like to say i don't know if suzanne's in the chat and i'll turn my head over here and look at the computer here in a minute but she sent she's Gary, not, I'm she's sure. Not. okay she sent an article with a, a biochemist who has analyzed this to me at least a video and this woman is the real deal like so many others that have t- looked at this virus if you can call it that actually and deconstructed it and is saying kind of the same things that you know these other credible scientists that are not being funded by the usual suspects and and also saying this is this was created this is lab grown and uh and she just sent this to me today so hopefully she can King Jerry, or something behind the scenes
0: somewhere. There was a study out early <clears throat> uh, from South China University, I believe. Two researchers came out and said, "There's, there's markers, CRISPR markers in this virus. There is uh, AIDS, similar things to AIDS, similar proteins. I for, I don't remember the exact number. It was like GP two hundred six or something like that. That actually Anthony Fauci holds a patent on.
2: Mm-hmm. or oh, identified yeah, in this
0: virus. It's like Doctor Faust, <laughs> Fausti. <Interesting. laughs> well, there was a Newsweek article about you know funds that were
1: allocated for our bioweapons research that wound up in the Wuhan lab, and
2: mm-hmm. the- a <laughs> 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 coincidence, right? Of Do course.
1: And you... that's the thing. bring brings things up to these people because somehow, somehow, this has gotten politicized. It boggles my fucking mind that somehow it's gotten politicized, as if by design. But you bring up these these like outliers, and like people just don't even want to hear it or entertain it. Like, I, I, you know, I use my my uh, my my Tijuana uh, you know analogy about getting syphilis in Tijuana, and like I had friends who were like, just don't, just don't. I'm like, I'm just I'm just saying that you know there there's a certain level of common sense at play here, and I you know it's something that deserves being looked at. Well, NPR said I'm like I'm just can you just. Realize, Lord.
0: NPR is a tool of the state. Come on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. National public. (laughs) But, I mean, it's it's this idea, and, and you'd think that, like, with this constant stream of contradictory information that we've been getting, people would have learned this by now, but, like, put, like, you're interesting if True Basket needs to be fucking ginormous right now. And it needs to include stuff like this being deliberate, this being an act of war, this coming from a wet market, this coming from a lab. This, there's nothing about this is still subtle. Still nothing is subtle. Except the fact that I, I, I do think that something very real is going on. And mm-hmm. I think that yes. it has a higher mortality rate than the flu. Yeah. That's,
2: that's, it's just more that's unusual. I think it's going it's to... I think this genetic... I think there's just something gigantic behind this with genetic factoring in it, and also when we're we're starting to look at this is I think one of the silver linings here, if there could be one, the world goes on lockdown over something like this, where the the numbers don't show that the world should go on lockdown. In essence, right? Like if it, it, yeah, there are people, you know, allegedly dropping, and but. For the world to just shut down and all of a sudden militarize and big rules and the boot to the face and all that has a lot of people that were just normally running their lives and getting on and enjoying their lives going, what the fuck, right? There's a lot of that happening. And and whether or not they want to pull up to the fact that it's lab created or this or that, there is a more... More, There are more people now questioning, what's this about? This seems not logical.
0: I want just, to just, yeah. echo what Thomas Sheridan's been saying. This is the greatest education we'll ever get in our lives. <laughs> what's happening right now?
1: 110%. I think the other thing we can sort of take heart in is that, you know, I'm sure that there are people that I could come up or I could call up people especially who have the initials MH. Um, but uh, but I'm sure, like, but everybody that I've talked to, because I've made it a point to talk to my friends, and I have a lot of friends who are, you know, wanting to stay locked down for long amounts of time and who are completely bought into every aspect of the official narrative. And every one of those, I say at some point, I'm like, something isn't right, right? Like, there's something, there's, there's a piece of this puzzle that is not fitting in, and I have yet to have anybody on all... Parts of the political spectrum not say, "Yeah, something's something doesn't make sense," mm-hmm, and exactly. no one can really put their finger on it. But something is is not making sense, um, and and that that's encouraging. You know, that's encouraging to me. Is that is that there's that little bit of a a foot in the door with people, even who are you know completely, for lack of a better term, normies who uh, right
2: tied into the system <laughs> yeah, and the yeah.
1: narratives, yeah.
2: It, and that, that's a good thing is to get in the end is just to get people to question re, the reality that we're in. And and this in general is what you present in all your books as well. It's just like, open your mind up to what you think may not be possible and look around for that, which stands out. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, is that what, so my, my wife just had a had a doctor's appointment today and she had com- the conversation that I never want to have with anybody and that I never want her to have with anybody is that she mentions that I write. Of course, the question is, what is he right? And you get into this position. And they think that you believe in, you know, the the commonly held perceptions of UFOs and Bigfoot. I never mention fairies because people, I need like 20 minutes to explain to you what I mean by that. But I I never have really found any individual case to be compelling on its own, what I've always really found compelling is is the consistency between cases on things like this. And when you have consistency between cases that resonate across time and across space, you know, cultures that have similar stories from similar eras that we are told have had no cross pollination, and yet they still have this shared these shared attributes. That to me suggests that there's something objective there and but you know the problem is that uh, actually Jerry and I sort of went back and forth about this today is that just people are just so there 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 are a lot of people who are so uncurious there's there's they just have no desire to to ask any questions
0: yeah um, we're we're going to talk about that okay <laughs> yeah no 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 i i sent you that um that link to that video which i will put in chat in a few minutes about uh, this this girl's college kid who just basically has no internal dialogue.
1: Yeah, that
2: I that sh- that just blows me away. I I don't even know. Is this an NPC? I mean, seriously, what is going on with this? That in general.
1: Well, the guy in the video is like, so if you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't like critique yourself in your head. Like, you don't. She's like, no, I I would have to. Say, I tried that. I had to say it aloud. I'm. I'm. If there's anybody in the chat who doesn't have an an internal monologue, I apologize. But I I kind of wonder if – because, I mean, they go on to talk about, you know, how she reads books and doesn't, like, even have a mind's eye either. She doesn't picture, like, a setting when she reads a book. Of course, she doesn't read books, but um, – Readings for
0: losers, that's why.
1: Well, I kind of wonder – because there was a, there was a link video to that as well, where it's a guy and his girlfriend, and she said that she doesn't read fiction because she can't do that. She just reads nonfiction, so she has like, a, but um, <laughs> but, yes, she, has, she has a frame of reference. But like, I kind of wonder, has anybody done any studies on the correlation between, you know, some sort of active imagination and intelligence? Has that been a thing? Because I think of really. Well, granted, I know I know intelligent people who are not imaginative, but I, I think about imaginative people, and most of them that I know are, are pretty intelligent. You know, and I wonder, I wonder if these people who don't have an internal monologue... I'm sure it's gotten worse since the smartphone. I'm sure it was better during the era of TV, but I wonder if you went back to the pre-TV era when you were dealing with radio and theater of the mind and books for entertainment, for stimulation. I wonder if this was a thing, you know, cause in, in that interview, she says, you know, oh, I had to be constantly stimulated, which is just like, yeah, they're a bunch of uh, <laughs> a bunch of uh, Buddhist monks doing it, you know, face palm, <laughs> hearing something like that. But, uh, but like, I, I wonder if, if you go back to the pre TV era, especially if this was, if this was a thing at all, I mean, I, you know, I, I yeah. I don't know. Well, it
2: feeds into, it feeds into the well of woo. There's a lot that, you know i mean i could go on and on in the woo section here and uh, the idea of a soul right the idea of internal sentience mm-hmm. which is where i think the soul the idea of the soul kind of germinates from and uh in in this so there's within sci-fi or uh fiction writing great fiction writing that we know all the some of the classics there is that whole idea of non-humans from the future that have to jump back Mm -hmm. and find where where things went wrong because we go extinct over things like this over over losing our souls through technology where we actually extinct ourselves and are we at a at the beginning of that crest, and know, didn't didn't
0: that happen to Atlantis?
1: A right, and, well, that, and, yeah. and and this is a recurring narrative in ufology too. The idea that you know we're not dealing with aliens, we're dealing with because they look. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm one of many reasons that I'm not a fan of the extraterrestrial hypothesis is that they shouldn't look that much like us. You know, if if you're dealing with you know completely separate evolution, they really shouldn't look that much like us. Now, if they are somehow deeply tied to us and to our spiritual nature a la something like fairies like psychopomps then that makes sense that there would be some sort of you know roughly human form but anyway so that's 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 definitely a, a recurring theme that you hear um i think maybe it's nigel kerner maybe i'm gonna look that up and make sure i got that right um but there are some you know ufologists who who really stand by the fact that these are um these are people from our future and hey, look at that. I think it was, I think it is Nigel Kerner. Nice. Um, Bingo. <laughs> uh, who, 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 who have come back in time because they can't reproduce and they've, you know, there's been a catastrophe and they've atrophied. They've spent all this time developing their brains and not taking care of their bodies. And now they can't reproduce. So that's why they're coming back to harvest sperm and egg. And, you know, intimate with us. Um, I,
0: I like the narrative that they went underground to avoid some kind of natural disaster on the surface and just stayed there and lost the ability to reproduce. In the future. In the future. Mm-hmm.
1: So not they went, but we're going. Right, right, yes. right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. what is that one with from H.G. Wells? The Time Machine or
1: something? Yes, the Eloi. The, the yeah. Eloi, yeah. yes. Um, more Eloy and the Morlocks.
0: And yeah. the Morlocks, yeah. Which the are Morlocks, very close to Moloch, there. by the way.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, I wanted to bring up um, the site. Just going back to this inner monologue for one quick second. Um, it could also one of the thoughts I had about it when I first heard that was that people who are like that don't have um, a connection to their quote unquote higher self internally and i think a lot of that inner dialogue is what people call their higher self and if you don't have that connection if you're that disconnected it makes sense that you wouldn't have an inner monologue like
1: that. a a demonic deficiency
0: yes a demonic deficiency thank you
1: Well, well you know well there's i mean not only that also ties into the fact that somebody like that would have to be constantly stimulated because they're just they're so obsessed with
0: this lower
1: lower, you know this lower plane of existence yeah yeah i hadn't really even considered that but that makes a lot of sense it is so you know the 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 author of that article who conducted the interview kept on saying well you know it ruined people's day didn't really ruin my day but it was definitely one of those things where i went huh you know um yeah it it is it is it is disturbing in a way. I, I, I wonder what portion of the, I, I actually didn't read it. I saw the original article and didn't really think too much of it until you, until you pointed the interview out to me. Are there any like stats on the number of people who, who are not, this way? Not that I've seen.
0: No. But, but we, I, I you know, if we, so. if we launch some kind of widespread testing from the CDC, we could probably find out
2: yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> and wait Maybe. or if, if the three of us just put on white coats and, and some generic badges we could probably
1: yeah. Well, we'll have to retract our results with, you know, within a week and then we'll go back to the original results and then we'll say you know then so, we'll say that inner monologues aren't a thing at all that longer, Nobody.
0: the death rate from Amazing. one is zero <laughs> so uh, tell us about the new book how, how did you and tim hook up other than you know being partners at the strange realities no seriously where, where did uh, how did this all come about and what was your experience writing it and...
1: so I, I remember when it happened i was um so thieves came out in july of 2018 and i was at the beach and sarah was very pregnant um, I was at the beach with my family and, and I actually, you know, I was doing my coast to coast interview for thieves because they're, uh, really obsessed, obsessive about having landlines. And I was like, well, I don't have a landline, but I'm going to be in a hotel at the beach. So <laughs> I woke up at like, you know, 2am on my beach vacation to do an interview for coast to coast. Um, but I got a text from uh, Tim that was pitching this idea of, you know, uh, Big, a book about bigfoot just weird bigfoot was sort of a, was sort of the, the working idea and i'd said to myself after thieves that i wasn't going to write for a while i wasn't going to try to write because i knew that you know the boys were on their way and it was going to be you know madness um and tim said that and i was like okay so i actually wrote like an absolute fiend i, I wrote from i wrote the equivalent usually i i'm actually tend to be a fast writer anyway i tend it tends, tends to be a year for me from like research to release if, if my, you know, if if Patrick Weege of Anomalous Books, um, doesn't have anything in the pipeline. Generally speaking, six months to, six months to, uh, research and six months to write. And from September, I started researching in September and by February I had finished like 90% of all my writing. I just, I was writing in the hospital. I was bringing books to the hospital because we were in the hospital for an extended stay. Um, just really obsessively trying to get as much down as I could, um, and uh you know, it was originally gonna be one book. Uh just a book on Weird Bigfoot. And then, you know, once Tim had his contribution, we're staring at two hundred thousand words, and I'm like, I'm not gonna not gonna put a two thousand two hundred thousand word book, you know, out there. It's gonna be a doorstop. Nobody will so read it. We sort of we, we sort of tried to find a way to sort of I mean you know the, vo- the the subtitle for where the footprints end high strangeness in the bigfoot phenomena volume 1 is folklore um, that's sort of an arbitrary um, separation because volume 2 is entitled evidence well there's plenty of evidence in the folklore chapter and plenty of plenty of evidence in the folklore volume and plenty of folklore in the evidence volume but that's sort of the arbitrary place where we cut it in half um, i'm really excited about it i you know i i i uh this is my been our first uh my first self-published book uh tim is a self-published book guy um excited about a lot of it uh i have some things that i could say about it that i i don't want people to think that like i'm inflating myself or inflating the book but this feels, like it, this feels like the most important book that I've written in terms of like actually addressing something that nobody's talking about. Um, it's definitely the first book that I've written that I think is going to piss a bunch of people off uh, because there are some really people who are strongly invested, like more, even more strongly invested than people who are into the extraterrestrial hypothesis and ufology, like people who are strongly invested to an emotional degree that, uh, and the idea that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood primate and like, i get it because you know i think like, i think we like bobo, all are off there like bobo he actually um has changed quite a bit oh. he had a he had a um he had an anomalous light sighting that he talked
0: yeah. about um i just which... talked to him in october or september oh really yeah
1: there's a there's a documentary i can't remember what it's called on on uh, amazon prime and he's talking about having this seeing this weird light phenomenon in conjunction with bigfoot that really really surprised me Cool. Um, so I don't know if he's just not talking about that anywhere else or he was not being completely forthcoming on the on the interview, or, or what but uh
0: do you remember but, you um, know, I mean, i'm sorry go ahead
1: no no I was just gonna say we we were sort of getting grief the the few little bits that we shared before we even had finished the book were already sort of catching some grief from some uh <laughs> long-standing cryptozoologist long-standing very well-respected old guard cryptozoologist let's just put it that
0: way lauren coleman
1: Man, i didn't say that
0: uh, <laughs> i'm asking uh, i don't know i don't know i'm saying i was curious if uh you remember last year at paramania uh was dave i forget his last name the guy who ran the, the bigfoot place
1: oh dave becara
0: dave becara told yeah. that story about the floating bigfoot
1: yeah that's um,
0: that's what really changed my viewpoint on things
1: i was expecting to go in there and give my presentation anybody who doesn't know paramania is like it's an unconference that happens well what's happening every year god yeah. knows what's going to happen now um but uh since 2016 has been going on we we obviously canceled this year but um uh it's just a group of uh it's, it's sort of sort of my inner circle of people you know me and uh tim banal uh jerry greg bishop um first year we had micah hanks come out i mean sort of a rotating roster every time walter bosley was at at one year just sort of who's ever in the the area and we just we call it an unconference because it's basically like you know most conferences are like all day lectures and then a little bit of hang and this is like two, two 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 and a half days of hang and then like oh yeah lectures at the end you know for the last half of the day and uh, last year we did it uh, in know the Roswell, Georgia area, which is like right, it's even closer to Jerry than I am now. Um, and we all went up to Cherry Log, Georgia, which is basically Blue Ridge, where there's this, an excellent museum uh, called Expedition Bigfoot, it has a lot of great casts, a lot of great, it's just really well put together. It's presented very well, presented very somberly. Um, and it's not one of those things where it's like, the people who are there and involved are know their Bigfoot stuff. Like, <laughs> You know, uh, Sybilla Irwin was actually on staff for a while. And she's one of the, uh, she's one of the on staff uh, sketch artists for the BFRO. So it's, it, these people know their, know their stuff. They have guest lecturers coming in anyway. So um, I, there's having said that there's nothing in that museum about paranormal Bigfoot. Um, and uh, I was, I gave my presentation on sort of some of the preliminary stuff that we were working on with where the footprint's in. And I was thinking I was going to get eviscerated, but uh, the, Owner of the museum um, turned out to be very sympathetic <laughs> to the idea that Bigfoot is not, you know, just a monkey, if he's a monkey at all. And he's gotten more, um, he has gotten a lot more vocal about that on Facebook since since uh, last year. Good, good, he, good. He's talking about, you know, these sort of otter, more it, peculiar sightings that exist.
0: Yeah, he seemed kind of um, starting to become at odds with the BFRO. Or, and he even told us that there was there was a division in the BFRO, much like there is in the ufology community between the ETH and anti-ETH people.
1: But again, I think it's worse. I mean, I, I think that I mean, I, I think that there's a level of weirdness that, on its fundamental level, is baked into ufology that cryptozoology has tried to shove out for the longest time. I mean, you look at the people that we would kind of consider the old guard of ufology now. And I I would, I would put Valet in there and Valet's never shied away from the weirdness. He's embraced it,
0: but it's CIA though, isn't he? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm half kidding.
1: He he has has, has, (laughs) has connections that I am sure we'll never even know about. He kind of reminds me of my uncle and the fact that like, half the things you hear are probably not true and ha- that you think are true and half the things you think are true are not true <laughs> you know? um but uh not not about his research or you know but about like his connections and who he's talked to and what's happened you know he's 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 kind of a private guy in that regard but uh there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of prominent cryptozoologists who are banging the drum of weird bigfoot and even those who do are trying to like shove it into this materialist quantum physics bullshit that you know I have a huge problem with quantum physics because I I, I, I see it as sort of a revised version of how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. Like it has, exactly. no, it has, it has no bearing on our reality and it's, it's a whole bunch of
0: it's know, a mathematical construct. Ones.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, but what Bigfoot has not done definitely is it's not had. And so let me preface this. I'm not saying this is the equivalent of the book, even though Greg Newkirk and his quote on the back said it was, I'm not saying this is the equivalent of that book. I'm not saying that either of us are Valet, but Bigfoot has never had its passport to Megonia moment. And what I mean by that is, Valet said, "Look at this. Here's some UFO sightings with some stuff we can't explain. Look at this. Here's an entire body of, of you know, mythology and folklore, in particular, uh, you know, the fairy folklore of Western Europe, and look at how much of this you know winds up." and bigfoot nobody's ever really done that with bigfoot certainly not with european folklore i mean they've sort of looked at uh they've treated you know native americans as like this monolithic culture and they've said basically things like well they say it's a spirit but it's not really it's still still a monkey nobody's ever really tried to approach folklore on its own terms um nobody's ever really overlaid bigfoot with the wild man archetype of of europe and uh you know, Jerry, I just realized I didn't send you a PDF. Did
0: I? <laughs> oh, you got a book. I bought it. Yeah, I bought actually two copies because next time I see you, are going to sign one. And I'm going to give it away.
1: Awesome. Yeah, be happy to. Um, but uh, but yeah, nobody's really ever ever done that that uh, overlay. And you know, you can take that even further and look at Bigfoot through the lens of fairies, Bigfoot through the lens of witches, Bigfoot through the lens of ghost folklore, Bigfoot through the lens of ritual magic. And this trend sort of continues. So that's why volume one is folklore. Volume two, um, let me bring up my list of volume two here. Um, volume Can two. Can I chime in here? Sure.
2: So. And I just, I saw it because I saw the, I mean, we'll look at the chat and I saw the question. Uh, And I think when you were on Knox Day, we talked about this. I did not was not a Bigfoot person. I had a real Bigfoot encounter out in the very remotes of Mount hood when I was camping out there one summer, but that was, it was so a, long ago.
1: Did we talk about that? I don't even remember that.
2: Yes, we did. And it was, well, it was life-changing for me because first of all, a, I didn't believe in Bigfoot. I never thought about Bigfoot. Bigfoot's not on my radar. Uh, and I honestly, I, I, I want to reiterate that I didn't believe in Bigfoot. And secondly, it was one of those crazy dual encounters. So the person I was with encountered it like psychically in his ear, it growled and like, but I physically saw something. And and then my mind wanted to make it uh, a bear because I've been around plenty of bear being a Northern girl. And, uh, and so the experience for was the most hands-down terrifying experience of my life, completely the the adrenaline in the back on, like on the sides of my uh, jaw and everything were going the hand. I I thought I was going to die. I thought it was going to kill us because it it, it, high predator energy, just intense. And so not only me and the person I'm with the dogs, we had all had a visceral, reaction so the dogs we had were big dogs and then a small one I had in my hands and um and the first thing was I thought somebody was growing weed like skunk weed how people do and there's Mm. that that smell I'm like oh it's getting you know I was joking because it's Oregon so (laughs) it was like you know I'm like oh shit we better not stumble on a weed field you know I'm thinking gangsters and uh and so then we take, and there aren't really trails. We're kind of just going through the wood. It's like uh, we're on wild animal trails, like a deer trail or something. And uh, and we had taken a, a outback vehicle as far as the roads would take us. In. We were very remote. That's my point. Mm-hmm. And I started hearing rustling on both sides of the the path. And I realized I thought, well, maybe there's a, a deer or an elk on both sides, you know. And I didn't even think bear, by the way. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if they are this. I don't even know if they're in Mount Hood. So I thought like deer or elk, something like that. And it, there was a separation. There was rustling to the right and rustling to the left. Well, the dogs were ahead about thirty feet, and they all stopped dead in their tracks. Now, I want to tell you, one of the dogs is an elk hound, Henry, and she would chase the hell out of a deer always. And also, she loved hobo poop. That's a side note. And um,
0: <laughs> she'd love San Francisco right now.
2: Oh, yeah, that <laughs> right. was like a delicacy. You could count on her getting into some hobo poop. And we uh, there. Oh, loving those kisses. And anyway, so they stopped dead in it. Their tails went under and they kind of made the uh, like whimpering, like it was a dead stop. And that was. And this was about the same time I was getting that hormonal feel in the back, in my jaws. I don't know how to describe it. It was very hormonal, intense, like an internal thing. And I see this thing. Now, Granted, it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. But I see this thing stand. It
1: wasn't clear like it was. It was, like, blurry, or it wasn't clear in terms of, like, you didn't have a clear view of what it was? I didn't have
2: a full-on clear view of it. Okay, okay. So, I can't tell you if it was completely, like, if it was solid or anything. It appeared to be, but it stood up on, it was crouched down next to a, you know, a big evergreen, and it stood up on its back feet, and it was gigantic, and it had the um, grizzly bear colorings. So black and brown, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and it had that conical head. I didn't know this, that the conical head was a Bigfoot thing. That's how not into Bigfoot I am.
1: Well, and, that, and also, I mean, like, Mount Hood, I mean, that's like... That's it's like, like the
2: epicenter of a lot of this fuckery.
1: Yeah, it's, well, yeah, I mean, it's and, and especially for Bigfoot stuff specifically, I mean, it's, the number of cases that come out of that area is just...
2: Well, I I found that out later. Right. Well, because I uh, I can round round to that. I didn't know that these sounds were also notorious with the Bigfoot. I'd been hearing. I was calling them the strange owl, <laughs> because it, yeah. anyway, the five hundred um,
1: pound owl. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm like, oh, well, that's a strange owl. What kind of noise is that? And. uh and so I saw it stand up and you know it had very long arms and I'm a you know a trained painter and portraits and figures were my specialty. And so it just this port it it's it just wasn't right. And my mind was trying to, and this is another thing that was just so odd about this experience. My mind was trying to grapple on registering what what it was i'm like it's a bear it's a bear it's a bear but the legs and then it sidestepped well at the same time and the dogs i'll have them very fast josh and the dogs and so the person i'm with had who's very straight laced or was at that time at least very very i wouldn't say like very straight laced but you know bigfoot again not on the not on his agenda and uh I was probably the wildest thing going for him as a witch. And, and he heard something in his head, a growl. It was very visceral in his head. And you didn't what, hear a growl. I did not hear the growl. And he, so he, if it would have just been me saying, oh, there's something there, then we would have continued on because he just thought I was crazy. And like, I'm sure he thought I was anyway, but the, so there was a combination of these things, the dogs, me seeing something and then when he heard the growl in his head, we immediately, like about face, got back to back and backed out, got the dogs out. It was that threatening. Well, that's
1: like three, four way verification. You know, it wasn't just you. It wasn't just him. It wasn't just one dog. It wasn't just two dogs. It was all, you know, four. Of you. It,
2: it was everything. Yeah. But at this point, I'm still going, do you think that was a bear? Was that a bear? What, I mean, does this happen? Like, I am mean, we're trying, once we got out, because it was scary, it was like back to back, walk out slowly, because it kind of came towards us a little It sidestepped, like i said mm-hmm. and so it shook me up and i i was done I, like i i never want to go out there again like I, and i'm a nature girl i never 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 want to go out there again i was scared for my life and uh i don't want to go out that way
1: and what, so what's interesting we, is that you were like entertaining the idea that it could be a bear but you still had the fear it's almost like your subconscious knew something that your your conscious mind didn't know. You know.
2: Yeah, I wanted to make it a bear because that's what I know. That's what I experienced. I've been around, but I couldn't turn that head into a bear head. I could. I could certainly turn the if you take the arms off and the head off, I could turn the rest of the figure into a bear. But it had long, long arms, like uh, long. They came down to like mid, you know, like almost to the knees, and yeah, that's uh, not
1: fair. No.
2: oh no it yeah. when i when i got the sense when i sat down and i really thought about it it was like oh and then i had been at the and just to wrap this up i we we were out there for three months and staying in an rv and all this and it was really a great summer and uh somewhere around that time. I don't, I don't know the timing. Uh, and it, it was summertime, but I don't know how long exactly we're there, but I was going to this local cafe and I, that's, this is before the sighting. I said to these people, there's a strange owl that hoots at night and it make you know, I kind of mimic the hoot. I'm like, I've never, I'm an owl person. They always follow me. Owls are like my thing. And, uh, and so, you know the person serving me then's like oh interesting you know we have lots of owls around here the next day when i go in i said i had this experience nice <laughs> and i said what well, is it is this related to the sound and are there bear around here and, and they were so nonchalant josh they're like oh no that's a sasquatch <laughs> it was that that kind of thing and yeah. i reported it
1: i've heard tell that like in certain parts of that pacific northwest area that you know it's just it's not even a controversial thing to say it's, oh, that's Sasquatch. yeah that was
2: uh, up by zigzag by the way
1: you know it's it's funny i uh i don't think that this book could have been written before now as much as i'm complaining about the old guard because there was there's some stuff that like just wasn't readily available. Like back when you had that sighting, the number of Bigfoot books that talked about Bigfoot hooting, you know, I I would think is pretty low. Um, I mean, granted, there were hints there all the time. Like you can look back to, you know, newspaper articles from 1895 that say, you know, talk about Bigfoot hooting or, you know, making, you know, imitating birds and such but uh, it wasn't like part of like the sasquatch canon like it is now i'm like specifically not hooting like a chimp like hooting and sounding like an owl a giant owl
2: totally an owl that was what i thought you know and I this might... sidestepped. i'm seeing comments in the in the the it's nice to see the chat for once it was not a bear i've been around bears many many times up close black bears and uh and grizzlies. It was not a bear. It sidestepped. And I've seen bears walk and they they are they do phenomenal things and they don't have heads like this. And they don't have arms like this. And they don't side- and it sidestep was so wide, Josh, from one tree. So it was mirroring a tree, one tree to the next. Well,
1: well, you know, we 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 talk about like that's a skeptical common skeptical thing is that like, oh, it was a bear, but like we're used to seeing bears like who are trained walking on two feet and granted there's some really interesting videos out there that are really freaky of like have you seen the video of the the three-legged bear that whose primary it's a video of a three-legged bear in the wild whose primary mode of uh of locomotion is walking on on two legs and it looks very bigfoot like but the, the fact of the matter is that like bears don't like to walk on two legs. Like they usually rear up to look around and they might take a couple of steps, but like, they don't like walk distances, you know, especially in like a a, a, wood, a heavily wooded forest. It's just not, I would say it's, it's not, a, it's not a super strong behavior. So, I mean, it, it totally. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds exactly like what it was, like what you think it was. I I might, I'm kind of inclined to throw that into my, throw that into my uh, chapter about mind speak in volume two, because I've, I don't think I've ever heard of, you hear about mind speak and it's like bigfoot talk to me in my head but you don't really hear about like somebody getting a growl in their head it was a
2: growl oh i gladly hook you up with him and he's like salt of the earth type so it was a new experience (laughs) we interviewed sorry And I just want to reiterate it's sidesteps I've seen bears do a lot of things it had longer legs than those little short when bears stand up their legs are short it had more like it had a a basically it was human-esque but it was just gigantic and it had you know because it was all fur Mm -hmm. and it was basically black and brown tipped just stuff a painter as a painter I noticed just like proportions as a, as a figure painter I noticed
1: So that sort of cinnamon bear color with black and brown tips?
2: Yeah, it was like, you know, know, black and and like ginger or something, you know, like a grizzly.
0: Like frosted tips. <laughs> got
1: that, yes. got that, got that <laughs> yeah, that link. That forgot his hair did. <laughs> it did have Yeah, his
2: <clears> hair <throat> did. So, and it was growing <sighs> marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fun ass bear. It's so Oregon. <laughs> yeah.
0: We uh, interviewed a woman last year who channels various collectives, and one of the collectives she channeled was a Bigfoot collective. And that was really interesting. Oh, that's
2: right, Jerry. Who was that?
0: Jessica Morocco. What?
2: oh and I love her, yeah, thats oh, interesting.
1: See, I, I don't even know what to do with stuff like that because uh, you know because i mean like i I kind of have problems with i kind of have fundamental problems with with channeling in general, and i I realize like from a purely from a pure standpoint of intellectual honesty it's it's weird for it's 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 dishonest for me to champion the weird stuff and have a problem with channeling. I think I've just been soured on like. I've been soured on a lot of the uh, the, the people who, who channel, and they they're they constantly bringing forth you know all these positive love and light messages and false prophecies <laughs> that never come true, and you know I I, I,
0: I, I kind of don't know what to make of it. You know, for what it's worth, she's I not mean. like that.
2: She's not at all like that. And that's why I like her. I'm so the channeling thing is one of another one of those things where I'm like, oh, man, I like talking to these people, but I can't pull up to it. And she's one that switched me.
0: Jessica Morocco.
2: She's interesting.
0: I'll send you the link. No, no, it's not like the M-A-R-R. She's on YouTube. She's got some interesting content. Uh, yeah well,
1: you know it's, it's 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 one of those things you know I, I i talk about in this i don't think i'm talking about it in the next book but in but in volume one i you know i keep on saying me i mean like this just talking about my speaking to my chapters tim contributed mm-hmm. quite a bit as well but i i talk about you know uh Kiwani lapseritis who's one of those bigfoot people who, who talk about you know bigfoot healing him alongside green gray, gray aliens and like this kumbaya circle and you know on the one hand i <laughs> i have a heart you know i just you know my it sort of it sort of sits beyond the, my threshold of you know of believability but on the other hand i know that um he's had a lot of contact with mike Cleland, who i you know at this point would trust with my life mike did the mike did the ebook for where the f- footprints end and mm-hmm. i spent time with mike and he's one of the most genuine kind-hearted honest people most honest experiencer that i've that i've met probably in my entire life like i believe i believe every word of what he says yeah i agree and he's and he and he, and he thinks highly of, of kowani so i i don't i don't know what to do with that you know.
0: and um, and mike if you're listening we'd love to have you on the show sometime
2: yeah talk to me afterwards. I second that
0: i've i've emailed him a bunch of times even with with your name in the subject Oh really? Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: We can't we (laughs) cannot entice him. (laughs) I I do I do know that he is he is a very busy guy.
0: No, it's cool. It's cool. I we hold no ill will, but I stop bugging people. I don't like to nag. Yeah, that's true.
2: So I'm wondering where does that fit, like my experience fit with because it felt like what I saw was although like I said, it was far enough away, although it was quite close actually too. Where it appeared to be physical, but i couldn't i you know I can't swear by that. all I can tell you is what I told you, and that's the experience i don't i don't even know it had this feel it felt very physical to me, but right. again, the person I was with didn't have that experience. Well, he was watching the dogs he was now, scared for the dogs
1: now let's let, let's be clear about something here, like you know just because Bigfoot is weird and Bigfoot might be anything from a reified archetype to a ghost to one of the folk. just because it might be one of those things doesn't mean it can't have a physical impact on the world i think that that we especially in the west have this sort of foolish idea that physical things and non-physical things are you know it's it's a false dichotomy you know there, there, there's a difference between imaginal and imaginary um you know ghosts i think we can all agree are, are some degree of non-physical but certainly leave physical evidence behind, you know they leave footprints in talcum powder that was a popular means of ghost hunting back around the turn of uh you know the uh the turn, well, the turn of the century back around sort of like the late mid to late 19th century
0: yeah but why is there um, no film of it now
1: no film of what
0: ghosts leaving footprints
1: people don't do that anymore i don't know why but they don't do that although there are wet footprints apparently that come out of the that can be found on the queen mary i don't mm. know never been there but um you know they do leave handprints on mirrors um they do pick up things and move things and slam doors so the idea that Bigfoot can be something that resides in some other place but leaves stuff behind like you know scat and hair and footprints I don't I don't think those things are necessarily at polar opposites I mean you look at something like seances which also left behind some degree of physical evidence in the form of ectoplasm uh you know UFOs Leave behind burn marks um leave behind this angel hair sometimes in some of the older cases this this like fine filament that sort of they 'd even put it in jars and would sort of vaporize inside the jar and they'd never be able to catch a sample
0: radiation um, so
1: yeah yeah i mean the, the physical effects are, are there um, so i mean i I think that I think that you I think you probably did see something physical, and I think that it was interacting with the forest in a physical way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know by the time you were out of the forest it doesn't mean that it was still you know tramping around it could have you know people throw around things like interdimensional as if that really <laughs> means anything Though know, see my earlier comment about quantum physics and whatnot um you know i i kind of don't know I, I don't i don't i don't know how interdimensional is different than saying something going to a spiritual plane or something you know existing within the collective unconscious and somehow manifesting outside ourselves or being a tulpa. I don't know how saying, saying that it's interdimensional is any more helpful. And, and the only thing it really does is kind of make it sound like you're a little bit more sciencey. The, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, but no, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't think that I don't think in, in a lot of the cases that we, that we find in the book, like people are seeing things that appear very physical, but then there's some sort of odd detail that happens, you know, um, you know, you know you saw something something physical and your friend heard a growl inside his mind that you didn't hear you know Uh, that's that's an example of kind of of a classic thing that we run into time and again in the study is that you know you'll have these these bigfoot encounters some of them are weird top to bottom soup to nuts but um some of them are you know a perfectly normal bigfoot encounter except you know after moving the branch aside it decided to just walk through the fence without opening the gate you know (laughs) Just materialized through the fits where, oh, you know, or, or, or you know, you know, it, it, um, it uh, threw a rock at me, and then it, it started to run away. And halfway as it ran away from me, halfway through this open field, it just disappeared—a blink out of, out of existence. You know, so the idea that you know you saw something physical doesn't necessarily discredit, uh, you know, the fact that your friend had like mentally heard a growl as well.
2: Well, he also smelled it. We both agreed it smelled like skunk weed. You know, it had, it was very hormonal, like a very, uh, like, like skunkweed. But then the cl- closer into the, to, because the, apparently there were two, one on each side, as I said, but I only right. saw the one on the left, the bigger, the, that was moving up it. It was like on a slanted hill, and we're on like an elk trail or a deer trail. And, uh, it it was so pungent, the smell. And that's and I knew it was hormonal as soon as it hit the sides of my jaw. That that gameyness
1: that so you get just, from just smelled like straight up skunkweed, not like skunkweed and poop or skunkweed and
2: it it just reminded me uh, well at first it reminded me of skunkweed and i really did think we were moving into like a grow zone and like an illegal one like a big one right. but then like i said as we we turned off that trail and we moved deeper into this deer trail or whatever that was the animal trail uh that's that is at the point when it was clear to me that it was something hormonal like uh it might you know like when cats smell something and their mouth is open you know they're smelling like hormones or are pulling it it was right, very right, right. running in my jaw like it was it was it was adrenaline evoking and like and I just can't not overstate or understate this enough it was a terror feel for me it was definitely get the hell out scariest scary. thing in your life. Scariest thing in my life, I've been through some really? shit.
1: Nice. I have
2: been through, yeah. and I have really seriously been through some crazy, crazy stuff. And this was like, I felt very, I felt like a mouse in a snake cage. That's like how I you yeah. know, viewed it. And and so it made me wonder, like people that are tracking these downs that, that allegedly have had the experience, what are they thinking? Because the experience is so scary. And I felt no, even if I would have had a gun, I didn't, there was no sense of security with with the experience. My big dogs, the one is up over my hip and the other one, the elk count's up to my knee. You know, like my big dogs were freaked out. And so, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I can't imagine hunting them.
1: That's also something you hear in all sorts of encounters, you know, especially in, you know, the the Bigfoot, not the Bigfoot, but the, uh, the alien stuff too um is this idea of like a fear that is you know completely irrational and stronger than any fear you've ever had in your entire life so that that completely tracks too yeah it was it's i like, it, I like almost like an artificially induced fear is that intense.
2: yeah yes yeah. absolutely and it, it coincided for sure with the fear set in when i started to process uh the olfactory the the chemical that was obviously you know, it's hormonal chemical, whatever it was. that the It's hormones, or mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just don't have the language for this experience. They Besides, were fear- I'm never they were, going back.
1: They were pheromones.
2: <laughs> they were pheromones, and I'm never going back ever, ever again. And now I have a fear of the deep
1: woods. Well, I mean, that's but that's, that's also a thing. I mean, people will have like a one-off sighting, and they'll you know. Become alcoholics or slipping in depression, yeah. or, or you know, or and people who who are hunters some, sometimes will have these experiences and like comp- never ever go outdoors again. I still well, I love
2: outdoors and I I go to the forest every week, but I don't go off to the uh, deep well before we got locked down. To the right. I go. I go out, but I don't get off of the beaten path now. Even though I want land again off the beaten path, I'm going to make sure I sense it. I I don't want that encounter ever again. I'm just putting it that way, and I'm definitely staying away from the remotes of Mount Hood.
1: Well, that's something else that you hear, like people who have had some of these intense experiences. Like, look at these people who are, you know, going out looking, smacking trees in the middle of the night. they are like, what the
0: hell are you doing, right? (laughs) I was going to say I still don't go in the ocean since I saw Jaws. Really? Really?
1: Well, I mean, there are a lot of reasons to not going the ocean. Tonight. I know, I know. That's, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> my number one though. <laughs> so I, I, I still, I, I still, I still hop in the ocean whenever I can.
0: I mean, I'll walk in the water, but I won't go out. I don't, I don't swim in any kind of water that you can't see the bottom of.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a fair enough that's a fair enough call. Mm-hmm. So, what if you were to go? to the bahamas
0: i've been to the bahamas and i have swam in in the ocean because
1: you, you can see it coming
0: okay go. yeah i've Absolutely. swam with stingrays and <laughs> <in> the caymans <laughs> so
1: you know. know it's gonna kill you before it kills you exactly Yeah. okay good,
0: good. So. like murky yeah. long island sound no way
2: oh, okay. <laughs> amazing yes yeah, so it, it these things are interesting to me and uh I I'm now I'm now a believer in that those things exist whatever they are they exist just like you know I grew up with stories of the fae having grown up in an Irish household and uh and it was just normal the wee ones and so we fed we left offerings to keep them away you know so I wasn't and there was no like big talk about him. it wasn't like big big talk and my grandma macaulay would say go go take this out to the out to where the rhubarb is which was the end of the her huge yard and i would put out whatever she said and that and that was it for the wee ones to stay away
1: (laughs) you know it was like Nice. nice that's that's kind of cool um
2: it was just like appeasing them to stay away, but it wasn't like sitting down to fairy tales, you know, with her. It right. was just, it was just right. a little practice, and she didn't make anything weird of it. There was no weirdness with it. The it's cultural just cultural
1: fabric of of your life, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: it was just that, and so, and she wasn't a witch, you know, I and mean, it was nothing. It was just normal for her.
1: Yeah, I, I. I've said many times that I I think that I'm paranormal kryptonite. I mean, I can count on one hand, the number of really interesting things that I've had happen to me. And ironically enough, like nothing really profound has happened to me since I started writing about this stuff, which is kind of the opposite of what you hear. You hear that people get involved in this, then stuff piles on, but I've had a pretty, pretty dull, (laughs) I, I almost, it almost kind of feels like, you know, you look at, um, look at people who start to devote their life to you know certain spiritual traditions like you know i think even mother Teresa, you know and they have like this dark midnight of the soul I, I i'm kind of i've kind of been in a dark midnight of the paranormal soul for a while because i just i can't coax anything to happen now granted i'm not like you know i'm not taking five dry grams in silent darkness and i'm not breaking out the ouija board there are things that i could do to to sort of facilitate that, that I'm too chicken shit to do. But that's sort of the idea behind me and Jerry getting together is that, you know, let's just actually, can we just rekindle the spark in me? Because it, it kind of feels like I'm just doing you know, folklore folklore right now. I'm not actually getting that sort of visceral firsthand experience that I really crave.
0: It's going to happen soon. I promise.
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure by, you know, hell or high water, it'll happen soon.
0: So.
2: Oh yeah. It's, we're gonna it's have a, out there. We're going to do high two. strangeness is there.
0: Do two man paramania
1: paraman paramania romance the new partner
0: (laughs) so did you have any strange experiences or dreams or anything while you were writing this were you you that close to the material versus your prior books in this one or was the experience of writing this with Tim different
1: like I said the only thing that really is That really has has happened to me in the past like you know five years since I've been involved in this is I did get I think I was in the middle of writing um I think I was in the middle of me writing a Trojan Feast and I was I had gone with my then no it's my wife still (laughs) um I come with my wife and and my and my mom and dad to Tilton Head and they went home early and we stayed an extra night and that night, that that you know that one night that we were there and they weren't. I got a phone call on my cell phone from home, and I open it up and I'm expecting to talk to mom and dad. It's like you know two in the morning or whatever, and I get like a classic John Keel robotic nonsense voice. You know, like you know, not like a not like a modem dial up tone, just like a like a weird like Speak and Spell kind of voice. that was just saying like gobbledygook, and I. Um, no, actually it was, it wasn't from my home. It was from my mom's cell phone for my mom's cell phone. And, uh, I called my mom and I said, what was that all about? And she didn't have any, not only she had, she not made a call. There wasn't an outgoing call from her cell phone. So that's the only thing, you know, that's that's the only thing that's happened to me since I've started writing books. Um, uh, even, you know, I went out to site seven with Tim and it was kind of, kind of dead. Um, there was like a maybe moment that we had, and that's about it. Um, we, we did get there. We did pull up, and we got out of the car, and within about 30 seconds of getting out of the car, we heard this big huff, this, which could have been a whitetail. I mean, I'm, I've listened to white listened to whitetails afterwards, and it could have been a whitetail. But then we definitely heard something go like moseying away through the leaves. And it kind of sounded bipedal, but, you know, I, I've never... I know that there's a cadence to something that walks on four feet that something walking on two feet doesn't have, but at the same time, that's never really ever been a compelling, you know, cause I feel like that could be easy to sort of mess up. So yeah, nothing with me, you know, Tim's Tim's master of the, uh, the synchronicity and master of the the weirdness. He's, I think he still, he stole all my mojo during this book. He's sapping he's it from me.
0: Yeah. Or his flannel man scared Bigfoot away.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, which is funny, like, you think that, I mean, where we live, you don't really think about it being North Georgia until you look at a map of Georgia and you're like, oh, no, we're, we're, we're North Georgia, you know, you can be to something that is kind of, I mean, in, you're in Canton, you're basically in the mountains already, you know, Cherokee County. Yeah, Cruz. exactly. I'm sorry, I didn't know if you'd ever said where you, do people know where you okay.
0: I don't care, I live in Canton.
2: I <laughs> um, said it before a few times. Okay, okay. Um,
0: <laughs> Cherokee County.
1: Yeah. Um so you know, you're just you're just up there. I mean, there's stuff. There's Bigfoot sightings in Cherokee in in Cherokee County. There's yep, Bigfoot absolutely. sightings in your town.
0: <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, and that's one of the things Dave Barak, Baraka Braca told uh, me.
1: Uh, uh, David Bacara.
0: Bacara, sorry. So
1: you're, you're getting it mixed up with uh Chris Ber- Barakman.
0: No, I'm getting it mixed up with a restaurant I used to go to in Chicago called Baracos, but oh, Okay, Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. there's always another option here. Um Dave told me that he hears reports of bigfoot all the time like almost every day that don't go reported from all the the locals around him so you know whatever's reported officially to the bfro is maybe like 30, oh, yeah. 30 to 40 percent of what's actually maybe even less that,
1: that probably is generous i would imagine yeah
0: yeah of what's actually seen out there or what's reported because people don't want to be associated with, oh, I saw a Bigfoot. They don't want their name recorded. They just want to tell somebody. Right. And I find those stories more credible, to be honest.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, sorry, go
0: ahead. No, no, finish your thought. I, w- I want to know some, I want to hear some interesting stories from the book, some anecdotes.
1: Um. Yeah, no, I, I remember like there were many times when I would go out on the road between where I used to live and where you live now. And just, you know, just drive to the places where in some of those BFR reports and be like, just show me something, show me, something. But, you know, it's you drive out to some of the spots. Uh, there are a couple of spots on that. Um, Oh, I can't, I, don't, I can't remember what it's, it starts out as house road and then it turns into whatever on the way out to you, but, um, you keep on going so that way. One forty.
0: it's one forty.
1: Yeah. There's some right off there, but, uh, yeah. Nothing, nothing happened for me. And of course, you know, it is getting more, You don't need to have... You don't need to have uh, wilderness to have Bigfoot. You know, that's, that's an entire... That's basically the entire... Uh, the entire, like, basis for the first chapter of the book that Tim writes is like, you know, his area of Pennsylvania doesn't have the sort of wilderness that you would assume that you would need for Bigfoot. But at the same time, I think it helps. And, you know, that area along that 140... Is just getting more and more built up every day certainly more built up than it was probably you know 20 30 years ago
0: same same goes for me up here yeah but i was actually asking about stories in the book that you found you know what, what were some of the best story i, I haven't read yet i got have got to be honest so that's no,
1: fine um, i assumed
0: know. it was a collection of anecdotal stuff it well, looks certain, yeah,
1: in a way. it is. I mean, it's it's um. I mean, there's plenty of stories in there, but sometimes it's it's talking about like you know, the way that the certain tribe described Bigfoot sounds like the way that some people in Ireland would describe you know fairies, for example. Um, it was quite common. In the, in the you know the British Isles, especially Ireland, to never refer to them as the fairies. You'd say the good people, the good folk, the gentry, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, Um, Because if you actually use that word, you'd be you know cursed or smite, you know, or you, you would suffer misfortune. And uh, you would find some similar thing amongst some uh, Native American tribes where they don't necessarily refer to them by their name. I'm thinking specifically of the uh, the Tlingit Kushitka, uh, which is some people probably argue isn't a Bigfoot analog technically means like the land otter man but uh they would refer to them oftentimes as the ones that live at the the ones that live at the point mm-hmm. because if you'd say that 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 other word then you'd sort of get uh you'd suffer ill luck so a lot of it's comparative comparative folklore like that but that having said that you know you can't a you know a lot of the eyewitness reports are sort of the bread and butter of, of something like this because they reflect in, in the ways that those observations reflect folklore, but be like, you know, it's just more entertaining. if You've got some good stories. So one yeah. that, one that really blew my mind was there was um, brought to my attention is that uh, there's a Bigfoot sighting on Oak Island, which um, really, yeah. And you know, you don't Nova Scotia is not really a place where you think about there being Bigfoot sightings, but this was a, not only a Bigfoot sighting, but it was a weird Bigfoot sighting. Hmm. Um, you know, there's an association in folklore with uh, buried treasure and fairies to the hmm. extent that it was believed that sometimes if you could capture, well, you know, you know, leprechauns, there you go. Um, you know, and their pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So the, the big cultural association between those things and, and Tim pointed out, uh, which I hadn't really ever put together, but there's kind of a similar vein um, with, uh, with a lot of different hauntings and Other phenomena, including Bigfoot, Um, you know, not only are you have Bigfoot seen around sites that are also rumored to have buried treasure, but if you sort of extend this interpretation to be a little bit broader, the number of you know Bigfoot that are seen near the old mine, you know, kind of still has that idea of like uh, profit to be gained from something hidden in the earth, uh, you know. So, and the the number of Bigfoot that are sighted around old mining entrances are, are, are legion soon as some people would say oh that means bigfoot lives underground tim and i tend to say oh it's a you know it's a variation on this art this archetype of you know the being buried treasure something being sort of a guardian um but um you know having said that there are fewer treasures that remain undiscovered that are more famous probably than the oak island treasure um assuming it is a treasure but there's something buried yes. there
0: <laughs> just more tv shows buried there those.
1: right um, but uh, there was a, a an individual who um, was a treasure hunter and had some of his friends die because there was some underground gas that escaped during their process of excavating the the treasure chute. And uh, he decided to not treasure hunt anymore, but he was brought on by the uh, next uh, person who had the rights to investigate the treasure. And he was brought on as sort of a, a night watchman. And it was uh, sort of around midnight one night, he had a, he had a fire going in the night watchman's cabin, and he sort of lay down and closed his eyes and all of a sudden he woke up and he couldn't breathe and He had these something that was covered in tight curly black hair all over its body with these giant red eyes that was looking at him, and it was holding him down, and he couldn't move, so sleep paralysis and it smiled at him and it said, "Don't ever come back and uh his the, the you know the guy was apparently a very uh a very well balanced individual, very sort of no nonsense, and he ended up being just absolutely terrified said so it was the only thing that ever scared him and he ended up uh becoming an alcoholic and committing suicide uh for you know over the course of the next decade sounds like a demon it, well, it sounds like okay, everything
0: so, is demons right now
1: well, but also I mean you say that, but over the course of looking into this book, especially in the witches chapter, like it's impossible to sort of separate Bigfoot out from demons because you know, wild men in, in, in that archetype were definitely lumped into that sort of demoniacal category um, that this was further influenced or further reinforced, rather, when you look at stuff like satyrs and fauns, which were associated with pagan rites, which sort of got lumped into, uh, you know, when, when Christianity came over and sort of said that pagan rites were demonic. Well, then that means that fauns and satyrs, which, again, are types of fairies. Are sort of demons and the, the devil himself that's why the devil ends up looking like a satyr with horns and cloven hooves yep, yep but yep. uh but fauns and satyrs it's very much an accepted fact amongst folklorists that they are direct ancestors of the wild man archetype being these hairy beings that live in the woods you read you read uh stories of you know forest devils uh the world over and uh you'll find you know these stories about uh, about them being like just these hairy wild men who are who they who are called demons everywhere else, but you know,
0: but for that, um, do do dryads fit into that category too, or are they a separate sect? Uh,
1: with two? with um, forest doubles. With, I think you would kind of classify a dryad as more of like a like an elemental because it's yeah, okay. associated with trees, and I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if the term dryad predates theosophy really because you know the, the theosophists sort of hmm. are the ones who really popularized the idea. Yes, fairies were, you know, genus loci, they were spirits of place and they were associated with, you know, certain landmarks and certain features of the land. You can't deny that, but at the same time this idea of, you know, a one-to-one elemental sort of fairy is is more of a, a theosophist interpretation. So it might it may or may not pre- pre- precede that, but I, I, I wouldn't really say that that's falls in the forest demon category, forest devil category, um, so, you know. But, but again, you know, pan is you know satyrs se- and fauns and pan—that's where we get the term panic from, uh, which is what, which is what you know you we were talking about in the last bigfoot story. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah.
0: Are um, there ha- have there been any bigfoot sightings or stories with the uh, bigfoot with hoofs?
1: Yes, there's one actually. Um, series of sightings in Labrador, is called the Traverse Spine Gorilla. Um, and by all appearances, it looked like, you know, it looked like what we would call a gorilla or an ape, um, but it would leave behind these, 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 cloven, hoof, uh, these cloven hoof prints. Um, it, was, it would look in windows at night and the children would say that it looked like a large hairy man and it would uh, uh, you know, scare, the, scare the dogs away. Um, and uh, they would go out afterwards and they'd find what looked like you know, big ox feet around the cottage so um that 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 found its way into this one because you know of that connection with you know devils and demons and and witches and that sort of well the christianized version of all Mm -hmm. those things Mm -hmm. um all you know volume two is going to talk about um the actual anomalies. Within footprints, because there are plenty of those, you know, two-toed footprints, three-toed footprints, right, right,
0: footprints right, footprints with right.
1: eleven toes on one foot. Like it's there's a lot of weird stuff that's out there. But Poly, yeah, the, yeah, the polydactyl Bigfoot, fiber, bigfoot. You know? yeah, yeah, polydactyl Bigfoot and syndactyl Bigfoot, and I, I sort of I go into why uh, those are both poor examples for these oddly, uh, you know, numbered toes. Um, you know, one thing that I found really interesting is that uh, is that you know. Besides the classic enlarged human foot, the, most, the second most common type of Bigfoot footprint that you see are these, these goofy-ass three, three-toed footprints. Well, there were some in the museum, right? The, like the Falk monster, right? Yeah. Left yeah. behind these, these three-toed footprints. And, uh, you know, if you look at that, it kind of looks like a bird foot. You know, birds technically have four toes. But the back toe looks like an elongated heel because it's, you know, it's sitting, sitting on the back. So if you look at those, they kind of look like bird, like giant bird footprints. Like if Big Bird left behind footprints, they look like that. And there is no shortage of lore, both from uh Native America and Ireland, of of uh apes with like chicken feet. <laughs> you know, um uh there was a in one case in County Limerick, there was a fairy queen who wanted to sort of get rid of people who had moved onto her land, and uh, she would take various guises, and one of them was of a giant ape with with uh, with, a, with chicken feet. And so, to that me, it's like, for to me, that's like, oh, well, that it's kind of a description of these three toed Bigfoot, you know, and the sort of footprints that they leave behind. Not that people have actually seen Bigfoot with chicken feet, but like that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of along the same the same lines of uh, same line of thought.
0: Go ahead, Nish.
2: So where, where do you find yourself with, so you've, you've made, you've made a, a definite mark in this research and in, on this path, what propels you forward with this kind of research, especially since your personal experience is very limited with encounters.
1: Um, well it's so you know I uh I play tuba for money um and I wouldn't have kept on playing tuba if I wasn't good at it (laughs) you know what I mean so like I'm sure that if I had if I had uh if I had released you know a Trojan Feast and somebody had said that uh it was nobody it had gone unnoticed and nobody said anything about it I probably wouldn't have kept writing but I had some people that I admire say some really kind things and it it uh again caught the attention of some people that I admire and I'm like, oh this feels really good. <laughs> so, you know, um I've always had an interest in these sort of things. Um I think part of what sort of propels me forward is that, you know, I uh it, it really is that that interconnected, interdisciplinary thing that I find really fascinating. You know, if you just ask me to write a book of you know, Bigfoot stories, I would just be absolutely, you know, bored out of my mind because I, I just, I, I it's not about, it's not about even the, the stories to me as it is about the, uh, about the, 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 the analysis of the stories and trying to put them into a, you know, a different sort of uh, context. Um, and I think that really is, is what sort of pushes me forward. And And also like the idea that like The idea of doing things that people haven't, writing about things that people haven't pointed out before um, really does, uh, I find really encouraging. just, just the idea that I can, I can sort of find these, these, these connective things that haven't been discussed or have just been discussed, like in a throwaway paragraph. Like the food thing, was discussed here in a paragraph and there in a paragraph, and then I was, I was kind of the first person to bring it all together. And like, it feels, it feels good to do something that you know, that that people haven't, uh, people haven't talked about before. Um, so it really is that. I also, you know, the other thing that drives me is, um, is I feel like every time. I feel like if there is some sort of greater like crusade or goal to this, it's almost like I'm, I'm giving it to materialism a little bit, you know, (laughs) I'm sort of chipping away at that, at that facade. Um, And I think for me, the most compelling way to do that is to show people that true anomalies do exist and for me to show people that true anomalies do exist the best way to do that is to show how they are a universal human condition and there's something that people who have never met who aren't into these topics sometimes from different cultures sometimes from different eras can can have things that are so oddly specific that uh they really suggest that there is some sort of you know objective objective reality to these things um and i hope none of that sounded you know, pompous or arrogant. I just I you know it, it feels good it feels good to have people say good stuff about you. That's that's a, that's a that's part of the reason I keep going on. Um you know having said that I'm still super interested in these topics. Um and always have been and always will be, you know, I was a monster kid growing up and watching all the alien and monster movies and you know so the interest has always been there and it's it feels it feels good to like kind of contribute to the pile of, <laughs> of of research that you keep on seeing. So
2: how much do you and it shows josh it's awesome Yeah, i love your work Mm -hmm. and how much do you think the the like the collective feeds into the stuff and makes it more than is like a tulpa or an egregore type of situation where we see with things like thin man and all that
0: or even slender man oh. or flannel man or all the clowns yeah, that
1: just all of them yeah you know i mean i I'm, so i don't like to stick with like any one you know thought process or any one sort of theory um you know i've often been really bullish on the idea of this sort of pan paranormal theory that it's all this one thing and but you know um one of the things that greg bishop i learned from greg bishop early on is that it's it's kind of, not only is it boring, but it's also kind of unhealthy to just like find a pet theory and to just sit with it and stick with it. Um, I know some people will look at my work and say, he thinks everything is fairies. And that's kind of halfway true. There's always going to be that part of me. But, um, you know, right now I'm kind of on this kick that uh, I'm kind of on this really Jungian collective unconscious kick. You know, the idea that there are these things, these archetypes that, you know, absolutely exist in terms of being shared human experiences, things that, you know, Again, you can have cultures that would have never had any contact, but you'll still find the trickster. You'll still find, you know, the mother archetype. You'll still find, again, the wild man archetype. And the idea that these somehow become reified, the idea that somehow these things become, are so powerful of their own accord outside of, you know, mankind. And the idea that they somehow find some sort of, you know, tangible existence, uh, through like the the collective unconscious like sort of welling up together i think is a completely you know valid concept um and that fits right along in lines with stuff like tulpas you know the idea of the idea of one person making a tulpa i still am kind of not especially um, keen on the amount of tulpa literature and i'm very open to being corrected on this but I believe that the amount of actual Tulpa literature that you'll find from like a Buddhist source, is pretty, pretty limited. You've got Alexander David Neal and uh, you know Walter Evans Wentz, who'd also did Fairy Faith in the Celtic countries. They both talked about Tulpas. Um, I believe, again, this is not my, necessarily my ballywick, but like, it's not like we have this giant, very prevalent Tulpa tradition in, in, the, in the West that, or you know, Tulpa tradition, this body of folklore that is accessible to us in the West. Having said that, there may be some monastery in Nepal where they have, like, you could sit down with, uh, you know, with with a practicing monk, and they could, you know, talk to you for five hours about what tulpas are. But it doesn't seem to be especially codified. I do recall, and I wish I had written down who said this, but I, I do recall that there was somebody, uh, an acquaintance of one of my one of my acquaintances, who told me this story. Um who sat down and ha- actually got an audience after you know a meditation session with a with a high placed monk out of tibet and was sort of like waiting for everybody to leave and he goes up to me and said like, can i can i talk to you about something the monk's like yes yes please he's like um can you tell me anything about the whole process and tradition of of the thought form of the tulpa and the monk goes what <laughs> And that's sort of where where it like so. so and, and obviously, that could be a translation issue, um, you know. But 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 I think it's interesting how much we talk about that um, from a, kind of a handful of English language sources. Now, again, I'm, I'm completely willing to be you know correct on that uh, because I wish that there was there was more out there. But it's my understanding that there's not a ton. Now, the idea of the egregore, I think, I think. I find a little bit more compelling because there is this sort of you know there's there's a lot more to sink your teeth into and to dive into not not mm-hmm. necessarily saying that there's you know because it's a it's a western idea that it has some sort of supremacy over the tulpa concept i don't i don't mean that i, I just mean that like i find more of a body of work to, to look into and to read that uh, makes me think that that um perhaps uh has it's easier for it's easier for me, it's easier for me to, to to wrap my head around and justify and i, I think that um you know Edgar Gores are kind of like archetypes in a way in that they can't be denied i mean like you know even though there's not a literal mother archetype you know you see it in the hospitality industry all the time, you know people coming and taking care of you and and trying to help you out and making sure that you're comfortable and, and do you need anything can I give you food you know that sort of nurturing aspect and that's you know that's a cross cultural archetype that manifests itself in things like uh like the uh the the funeral home industry <laughs> the hospitality industry all these sort of industries where people are trying to be cared for you know therapy and you know the mm-hmm. therapists and psychologists um and i think that you know egregores are kind of like that taken to another more specific and more and more tangible level and i think that uh you know I, i'm surprised that we haven't seen you know a tulpa of, uh, you know, like a coronavirus tulpa of, like, the coronavirus <laughs> personified. There, There is a compelling argument to be made uh, against thought forms and tulpas and the fact that, like, you'd think with how much everybody obsesses over Star Wars that we would, like, people would run into Darth Vader on the street, you know? Um, right. But I think the easy repose to that is that people are thinking about Darth Vader in the wrong way, you know? they're not thinking about like manifesting him and they're not like imbuing Darth Vader with an inner life, you know, the way that, for example, Alan Moore imbued John Constantine with an inner life and actually saw John Constantine. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, There's this, uh, you know, Jung said specifically regarding the UFO phenomena. he mentioned that, you know, he didn't debunk that in any way, but he, he made reference to it that, people when the the collective was going through turmoil they projected outward and that's when these sightings seemed to be prevalent and uh and you know that makes sense in 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 his world and then what he was putting forth and i'm wondering have you found that kind of uh Have you found a connection yourself in your journey of studying all this, that there are more sightings when things are in, we've got tumultuous stuff going on. So like right now, I definitely would expect sightings of all kinds of things to be happening because the collective is, is, in an uproar there's a lot of uncertainty and scariness happening that projection into the outer screen of the world could create some very interesting phenomena
0: projections on the dome <laughs> yeah the, the ufo activity has <laughs> been the been, great been,
2: screen it's been off the hook yeah, right? it's been off the yeah. hook yeah.
1: yeah 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 if i recall in the lead up to all this there was a lot of talk about it sort of being a banner couple of years for ufo sightings yeah, as well absolutely um I mean, and that you're sort of, we're sort of touching, you know, touching a little bit on sort of like the valet, you know, yep. uh, some some of his ideas about the the sort of interplay between culture and UFO sightings as well. I haven't, you know, honestly, I have not, I haven't heard as much about sightings since the lockdown happened. Well, it doesn't look-
2: have to be specific to aliens. So what I'm saying is, our our other uh, just all this stuff that is in the paranormal and the cryptid world, is it possible that when things are really strapped in our our daily busy, our the the, nor- the normality bias is really confronted, and so our unconscious pushes out these well- narratives
1: i mean i think it i think it, they sort of act as like a harbinger of liminality in a lot of ways um uh sort of i think more more so than even happening during times of turmoil they almost precede or they're sort of like an aftershock i mean you look at you know kenneth arnold's sighting was post world war ii right yeah
0: yeah i'm pre-roswell, pre-Roswell.
1: Yeah. yeah um uh uh, I'm just double checking myself, so I don't make an ass out of myself. It was 47. It was 47. <laughs> yeah, 47. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I thought of. But you know, anyway, um, but also, I mean, like, so, yeah, we talked about sort of UFOs having sort of like, you know, this, having some momentum behind them preceding all this this bullshit that we've been going through. And, uh, you know, there's nothing more popular in par- the paranormal right now than Bigfoot. And I think that it's interesting if you look at Bigfoot as possibly being you know, among other interpretations, like a guardian of the forest or like an avatar for the forest. And you couple that with the concept of, you know, Gaia clearing her throat, like I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation. I think that that kind of feels, um, that feels a little bit parsimonious to me that, you know, yeah, of course, where the Bigfoot sightings are on the rise because, you know, we're ramping up for this giant, you know, this giant uh, eco focus, which, you know, I, um, I, I'm not, you know, trying to politicize, you know, uh, you know, environmentalism or anything. I'm just saying, you know, I think we all agree that, you know, we should, we should be good stewards of the planet and, you know, litter less and cut down fewer trees. And, and, uh, you know, the the way that there's been so much turmoil coupled with the fact that we've got basically, you know, the wild man, the symbol of the symbol of man living in nature is so popular right now in the paranormal and just in general. Um, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the number of, the number of cars that I see, with Bigfoot stickers on the back is, is pretty staggering. Like just places I never thought I would see it. Um, now, does that actually translate to more sightings? I I really don't know. Um, I think that people think they're seeing Bigfoot more. I can tell you that. What have, what you saying, Jerry?
0: have you seen the Bigfoot statue or carving on, Was it, 140? It's across from the castle on 140.
1: Yeah, that's that's right where I used to live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's there's yeah, there's that 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 there's that big foot in there and then there's well yeah the castle, yeah, the dwarf castle. Yeah, that's yeah right. it's just just after the dwarf castle, I think. Yeah.
0: It's well before for me. Yeah. Um I want to talk Probably about I, so, yeah. I want to talk about John Constantine in a second, but someone asked a question that I thought was interesting. Uh does, can you chase away a big foot with iron?
1: I have not so I have not heard of anybody doing that. Okay. Having said that um, you know a lot of people talk about like if you carry firearms into the uh into the woods that bigfoot won't show up, and the assumption is that you know Bigfoot somehow sees your gun or bigfoot uh, you know can sense your intent or something, but I think that's interesting looking at it through that sort of iron folk that sort of Ireland yeah. folklore, fairy folklore um, that, which that is
0: have- the opposite of like um <clears throat> excuse me um skinwalker ranch if you come in with a weapon you're more likely to get attacked
1: See, so, you know, i hadn't heard that
0: yeah
1: um but no i haven't you know i can ask these questions and i'm trying to rack my brain and think if i'd if i've ever i mean I, again the number of people who like would actually even think to do that on an experimental level um is is pretty much nil i mean because people have this idea of what fairies are and they don't see that you know right. there's you know Theories or a spectrum, um,
0: and I've heard a lot of stories about gin being, uh, whatever, chased away—not chased away, but just they—they they won't come near Iron.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the point where like, you know, it, it becomes a bit reductive and I, I sort of place things into the, like this Western European lens by saying that the gin are fairies, but I, but what I'm just trying to say is I'm trying to make sure sure, sure. sure sure like, There are some of these gin stories that you read that just are, that could have just, you substitute the proper nouns. And it sounds like it came from, you know, County Tipperary, Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, you've got changelings. You've got the fact that they live in old human ruins. Um, they eat detritus as opposed to actual food. They substitute, you know, uh, babies for their changelings in gin stories as well. Um, and then all those other things like iron, uh, the the same things that that seem to ward off fairies seem to ward off gin. Um, there's a connection between, you know, gin and, uh, you know, in in Islamic tradition, the jinn were made of jinn. were made of smokeless fire, so they they sort of are alongside humans in the same way that the Christianized version of fairies being alongside humans as fallen angels is. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities to be drawn to the point that I, am not again, like I say with aliens and fairies. I'm not saying that 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 fairies are jinn or jinn's are fairies. I'm saying that they're both sort of describing the same suite of phenomena. Which at this point, I'm you know I think that it probably is pretty close to describing a lot of Bigfoot phenomena too. I mean, you've got Bigfoot braiding horses' manes and Bigfoot, uh, you know, living underground and, you know, uh, Bigfoot responding to knocks. I mean, these are all, these are all fairy things as well.
0: Yeah. That's real interesting. So you brought up John Constantine, Alan Moore. Uh, have you seen the new Justice League Dark Apocalypse War movie yet?
1: Is it the animated one? Yeah. See, my knowledge of the animated superhero films is Mm. real, real low. So I I have not. I'm sorry.
0: Check it out. It's really good.
1: Nice. I will. I will. Um, You know, Constantine really hasn't gotten a fair shake. The Keanu Reeves version is actually not as bad as people remember. Um, It's not necessarily the same Constantine that was in the comic. No. uh, And if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, there was a... I'm not completely a great reenact you know great retailer of the story but alan moore was i believe in like a bar or something and this guy walked in that was like the spitting image of constantine and a guy lit up a cigarette and just stared at alan moore and nodded or something and then went
0: back <laughs> and yeah. that's great it's like a, uh, a grant guy, morrison type of situation
1: yeah and the guy who um the guy who uh did the shadow radio series also would like see the shadow Hmm. Um, in his home, apparently as well. I can't remember the guy's name, but there was also. Oh yeah,
2: there. he was great, Jerry's I'm looking good, it up.
0: Sure. Orson, not Orson <laughs> Scott Card.
1: No, no, no. The, the <laughs> shadow. Oh, the radio the show. Radio series, oh, yeah. really right. old. The old one,
0: yeah. Sorry, like my bad. 40s. My
1: bad. He said he would see like like shadows of the shadow, like with the, the hat and everything, in the, in his uh in his house. Walter Gibson. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, Constantine's also a character on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. This last two seasons too.
1: Right. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Um, Marvel TV sucks, and the, and the movies are great, and uh, DC movies are are kind of subpar. And they're, they're but they they've got the TV stuff on lockdown. Well, That's uh, just my this is my two cents. I know and I think people are going to disagree, but
0: the the Batwoman show is just trash. But uh, I've not seen that. But. Yeah, you're lucky the um the lead star quit after I the first season yeah. do they know why she hasn't said
1: it's probably something
0: about bullying or something it's probably too woke for her <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty> woke. <laughs> yeah she's pretty woke yeah, cool well i got nothing
2: yeah this has been fantastic yeah, it's there, been great. i haven't been looking over at the chat but it's nice to be able to do that now so and i I know that the couple questions I saw you already asked, Jerry. Did, I did. you get anything else? No. Nope.
0: No.
1: Nope. So nope. we're all squared. We're all well, squared. I'm, I'm glad that we've reached the end of the line with what we can talk about. <laughs> oh, no. We, no, we haven't. We haven't. I we will could, never speak to you again. Goodbye. <laughs> this is it. This you is and I could talk.
0: We could talk all night long. You know that. Oh, I know we could. Um, but it's been two well, hours we and we, it just, we hours. keep it two yeah. hours. So, People, uh,
2: you know, know, Josh, that the time people's attention spans; these, day are, these so,
0: days yeah. are so limited do you want to plug anything other than your book which i've yeah. got links to in the description um
1: so uh joshua com is where you can find links to all my interviews i hopefully i'm going to start blogging again soon just a lot of my energy has been taken up with babies and bigfoot and um but you can find links to all my books there. Uh, a Trojan Feast, The Brimstone Deceit, Thieves of the Night, and now Where the Footprints in Volume 1. Um, and you can find links there. Uh, you know, if you want to buy through Amazon, since they're taking over the world anyway, more power to you. Um, if you want to go to a, a you know brick-and-mortar store and request them to order it, that's even better. Um, and then uh, I guess I can go ahead and... Uh, I think if I, re- I this is going to be a sort of an exclusive. Ooh. Um, I haven't really announced this anywhere. I think I might have alluded to it on one or two podcasts, but the the contract is signed and uh and I've gotten my first round of essays in um I am curating a book of essays um about representations of uh fairies in cinema hmm. um, but having said that some of some of the uh some of the 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 films that we talk about are not exactly what its there's some some people are talking about like you know fairies that are presented as fairies and like implications and how well they're presented but there's some people who are looking at uh, different films through the fairy lens and finding some really interesting parallels for example one of the essays is on dune of all things which oh, i really, really? Which Ooh, would, have, yes. would, have, would have thought of that but there's i'm, I'm about halfway reviewing through reviewing that and there's some really compelling uh some compelling compelling comparisons i'm really proud of the roster that's been put together um myself i'm contributing and i'm also the uh the editor this is going to be published through uh robbie graham's uh company yep cool uh so it's it's sort of like reframing the fairy film debate <laughs> um just myself uh tobias Wayland, um simon of of the uh, singular 14 simon young of uh dr beach cumming's bizarre history blog who was mm-hmm. i would argue one of like i'll put him in the top 10 fairy scholars that are alive right now um neil rushton who owns the uh, dead but dreaming blog uh so another great writer on fairies uh ren collier that's friend right. of ours. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Jornland, uh, Mark Anthony Wyatt. You, know, you, met, you met No, Mark. Mark. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, I'm in conversations with somebody who I would love to have write the introduction, but I can't say that person's name yet. It's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> James P. Nettles, um, Susan Demeter St. Clair, and Jack Hunter. Cool. Um, and I mm. believe Jack is going to be uh, writing about a previously unpublished uh, Brian Froud interview. Oh, that's exciting! Is anyone, this is very exciting.
0: Is anyone going to write about Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell?
1: So the original intent of the I don't I haven't seen that yet. If someone's going to, um, the original intent was to like write about movies that like have nothing to do with okay, okay. Trying to put trying to so. Having said that, no one is. Uh, we're kind of trying to focus a little bit more on uh, that's on, on,
0: on, on films and
1: stuff. Yeah, my essay is on uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, uh, the. Uh, the Danish film Borgman. Um, it's after looking at it, I'm 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 kind of gonna say it's it's the most like, it's it's the film with the most fairy tropes per minute that I've ever seen. It just beats you over the head with, without, without being about fairies. So, it's, yeah.
0: what about Dark it's, City? I mean, that would be a good one.
1: That is a good one. I haven't seen that in forever, and I does it still hold up? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I uh, I remember it being just really great. And under underappreciated, and still is. But. No, don't
0: hang is up the, after we say goodbye, because I'll tell you something about it. Go does ahead. Does the
2: Bene Gesserit make it into the Dune one? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, because good. I'm just such. I feel like those are my people. Well, so
1: way. yeah, so yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm sitting there reading reading the essay, and I'm like, well, we should talk about some of the stuff further on in the series, but no, this is about film. So it's it's sort of it's it's addressing the the the, the novel and the novel series, but it's it's primarily focusing on the Lynch film, uh, the depiction there. Um, yeah yeah Which, Ooh, you know, this perfect, is very but... exciting yeah and
0: i'm Gosh. looking forward to the new ones coming out whenever Yeah. Have... afterwards i'll tell you the films that are being talked about
2: is okay. there a set date for is there a planned date at this point for the
1: release uh end of the year now okay, of course cool. you know of course that's i mean i've been speaking on and off with robbie that's kind of flexible because you know people are having Everything. trouble <laughs> well yeah it's like from a morale standpoint people are having trouble finishing essays you know i was in that boat too you know um yeah and uh, you know we just don't know how things are going to pan out, but uh, that's that's the plan, and that's uh, it's it's all it's actually happening, which is something I don't think I could have said a while back. So, yeah.
2: Oh, I can't wait! I'm very excited about this. I mm. love I love the idea already, and some of these uh, love some of these people as well. So,
1: yeah, very I'm very very, stuff. very happy to have this group of people.
2: Well, this oh, has great. been a pleasure. Yes. I, I, I've <laughs> you're just amazing always it's, it's
1: always good to talk to y'all
0: <laughs> yes it's awesome thank you everyone for listening be sure to tune in next week we'll be doing Nox Mente again with uh, Sarath the Mage who's our guest okay. that should be an interesting show and then I think we have an obelisk after that I forgot who's going to be on let me look real quick is it Holly? It might be yeah Holly Seliger, Yeah. the Zune Politicon lady ex-wife of John Irwin, I think I don't know but that'll be actually on our other channel so next week's our last week on this channel out
2: of yeah out of being banned yeah
0: we'll we'll be out (laughs) and
2: then we come out of the
0: dunce we'll be out of the penalty box so (laughs) be sure to tune in and we love you guys so much so have a great night and we'll talk to you next week bye bye
2: thank you everyone